for our gospel reading this morning, which comes to us from Mark's gospel, the 13th chapter. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You may be seated. Will you pray with me this morning? Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of guidance for our souls. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Have you ever yelled at someone before? Anybody out there ever yelled at anyone before? Okay. Now, I don't just mean raise your voice a little bit. I mean really lost it and yelled at someone. I think most of us have at some point. Some of you are thinking, yeah, this morning I was trying to get my kids off the iPad to get them to church, and uh, there was some, yeah, well, uh, now here's another question. Have you ever yelled at someone and then immediately realized it was a huge mistake, right? I still remember the first time many years ago when I yelled at my father, who was a tough Iowa farmer and a kind of dad that you did not talk back to, let alone yell. But there was one night when I just lost it, I blew my top, and I yelled at my father. And friends, I said some things that day, some things that I'm not going to repeat this morning nor even try and paraphrase because I kind of like my job. Uh, And I thought to myself, um, I think that my life is going to end right now. I immediately realized my mistake and said, God, it's been a good 16 years, but I'm coming to see you. Of course, I made it. I I didn't die. Uh, My father's love for me was greater than his anger for me in the end. But have have you ever yelled at God? Have you ever cried out to God in frustration or despair or even anger? It's easy to miss it, I think, as we read through this Isaiah text this morning in worship, but as I've sat through, uh, sat with this text all throughout the week, I'm, I'm convinced that at least part of this reading from Isaiah is, is crying out to, to God in anger, to, to a God who seems distant, to a God they felt had abandoned them. And especially when we think about the season of Advent, where the book of Isaiah comes up often, we think of uh, these prophecies in Isaiah that promise the coming Savior and bring hope and comfort. There's all these beautiful texts in Isaiah, but Isaiah is a long book, and there's also a lot in here that's, that's difficult, that's painful. And the opening line of our reading today says, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Some other translations from the Hebrew say it like this, God, if only you would act. God, if only you would do something. And so, so I want to take a moment this morning and, and look at this text again, and I'm going to read parts of it, but with a little bit more of the tone that I think 
it's intended or it comes to us as. It's easy to miss. That opening line just, it sounds so frustrated. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, God, so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when the fires kindled brushwood. It goes on to remember the past saying, God, in the past you did awesome deeds that we did not expect. You came down and the mountains quaked at your presence. You meet those who gladly do right. You, you remember in, you, in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned. And because, because you hid yourself, God, we transgressed. We've all become like one who's unclean. We fade like a leaf. Our iniquities are like the wind and take us away. There's no one anymore who calls on your name. God, no one attempts to take hold of you for you have hidden your face from us. You have hidden your face from us. And, and here's where I think it shifts a little bit from, from anger to, to tears. Did you ever notice how after the yelling and the anger, almost always there's tears? I think that's what we see here. God, you've, you've hidden your face from us. Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are the work of your hands. Do not be angry, Lord, forever. Don't remember iniquity forever. Consider we are your people. It's like the author of this text is saying, God, where are you? I know I believe in these amazing things you did in the past, but where are you now? God, I know that we've sinned. I know that we've done wrong, but we need you, God. We need you. How are we supposed to follow you? How are we supposed to obey you if we, if we can't see you, if you just hide away from us, if you are just silent? See, friends, Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of longing for God. It's a season where we acknowledge the pain and the brokenness in the world around us, and we long for something different. We yearn for the kingdom of heaven, for God to move, for God to act, for God to come down. The prophet Isaiah and the people among whom he did his ministry knew what it was to wait, to ache for God, for God's salvation. The prophet Isaiah lived uh, around 740 B.C. or so, and at that time, uh, he did most of his ministry in the southern kingdom where Jerusalem was, and there they saw war and exile and devastation of their, their fellow Israelites in the northern kingdom who were exiled. And that's the prophet Isaiah in his lifetime, but, but the whole book of Isaiah, most scholars believe that it was written well over the span of 100 years or more, and that these later sections, these later chapters were written by other prophets in the tradition of Isaiah carrying on that ministry, which is what we hear today. And if that's the case, then what we hear today is looking back on extreme trauma and loss. It's the story of, a, it's the voice of a people who had been, uh, they felt had been uh, abandoned, that they themselves had abandoned God through their idolatry, through their injustice, and, and they had experienced this crushing devastation of war and, and enemies coming down on them and been exiled, and then generations later were now coming back, returning home and trying to also return to God. Asking, where, where is God in all of this? Things are still hard. We're trying and we're struggling and they're crying out to God. God, where are these miracles of old that we read about? Where's your almighty power? Where's the earthquake shaking the mountain and the fire and the smoke? And the beautiful irony of this text is that it starts out by asking for an all-powerful God. And then in verse 8, it shifts and what they find is a loving father. I want to read verse 8 again. Lord, you are our Father. 
We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. What they wanted was a mighty miracle when what they needed was a tender touch. Friends, sometimes we want God to shake the mountains and move them out of the way for us when maybe what we need is a loving God who will walk over the mountains with us, who will walk through those valleys with us. And this juxtaposition that we see of a a powerful God and a tender, loving God, this isn't the only place we see it. We got this picture of, on the one hand, God's unfathomable power, and on the other hand, God's infinite tenderness. And this is so important to our understanding of God that the the Bible actually begins with it. Did you you realize that? And and the stories of creation, we see it in the, the first story of creation, Genesis 1, shows us a God of unfathomable power, a God who only has to speak and light comes into a being, a God who speaks and stars and planets are formed, a God who who creates the land and the sea from which life and plants and creatures evolve. But then the second story of creation, Genesis 2, is dramatically different. I'm gonna read a part of it for us. In the day that the Lord made the the earth and the heavens, Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. It's the story of God kneeling down, the very hands of God gently, lovingly forming the first human being from dust and breathing into nostrils. It's an incredibly intimate, tender, gentle picture. It's like God wants to be as close to you as possible, as close as breath itself. Or in other words, like a potter, tenderly forming, molding, shaping the clay, strengthening us, renewing us. Friends, sometimes you may feel alone. Sometimes we may feel that that God has abandoned us or we cannot see God's face and we find ourselves calling out, God, if only you would speak. God, if only you would come down. We ask for that mighty miracle when maybe sometimes what we need is that tender touch, that presence of God. In Isaiah, this reading today, I think it's actually calling God to question here, saying, oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. But the thing is, God does exactly that in Jesus. In Christ, God comes into our world. In Mark chapter 1 at Jesus' baptism, Mark lifts up this and almost quotes the text. It says this, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit of God descending, coming down like a dove. In Christ, God will never be far off. Again, God's face will never be hidden from you or me or anyone I love how um, the church father uh, from the third century, Athanasius of Alexandria, talks about this, the incarnation of Jesus, God becoming human. He says that, that in Jesus, in God becoming human, the very image of God is restored in all of humanity. So where is God? God is in the face of every one of God's beloved. I see God in each of you. I I see God in the the laughter of a toddler. I see God in the smiles of a grandparent. We see the face of God in acts of generosity and compassion and kindness. In Isaiah's day, they were looking for a God of external power who would come down and save them. But in Jesus, we find a God that doesn't just come down, but comes into our hearts to transform us. 
As I sat with the story this week, I was reminded of a a moment in my life many years ago. I was in middle school, about 12 years old or so. It was the end of summer. And there was this uh, community event in our little small town, and like everyone was there. And and I thought I was going to go run around and play with a bunch of my friends, but it was a a rough day for me. I was always a pretty fragile kid with really big feelings, so I probably should apologize to my parents for that one. At the end of the day, um, we struggled because all these people I thought were my friends, it was a day where I found myself feeling left out and lost and, and almost bullied or picked on by these folks that I thought were my friends. And at the end of this Saturday, we went to five o'clock worship, as we often did, and, and I had been holding in these feelings of uh, loneliness and frustration, and, and they kept welling up, but as we sat down in the pew for worship, I just lost it, and I started to weep. And I started, these tears started to come, and they just wouldn't stop, and my poor parents didn't know what in the world was wrong, and I couldn't have articulated it, I'm sure, if they had even asked me. But I'll never forget uh, what my dad did in that moment. He leaned in and he put his arm around my shoulder, uh, his hand on my shoulder, and just sat there. He didn't do anything to fix it. He didn't say anything that I remembered. He just sat with me through that whole worship service. And that hand on my shoulder, it said more than words ever could. It said, I'm here, I love you, and I will be here with you, whatever may come. Friends, God's hand is on your shoulder today. Whatever you came here with, whatever you are carrying, God is sitting beside you right now with that arm around you, that hand on your shoulder. And so as I begin to pray, I invite you to close your eyes with me and maybe even imagine that gentle, loving, tender touch, God's hand that says, I'm here. I love you and I will be here with you, whatever may come. Let us pray. God, God, you are our potter. We are clay and And we need your hand in our lives, God. We look for you in the world, and sometimes it can be hard to find you, sometimes hard to see you. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and speak into our hearts. And we thank you for coming into our world in such an unexpected way in the birth of a baby. God, so vulnerable. Lord, uh, may the compassion that stirs in our hearts when we remember the birth of our Savior, may that compassion fill us, renew us, and build us up today that we might be your people, be your church, and see your face in every one of your beloved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.